Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel. If you're interested in finding more resources or you'd like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to gconline.org forward slash watch. Well, last week we kicked off a series and it was on community. And uh, as you know, we've kicked off community groups. And for our community groups, we... Uh, laid a foundation of six core values that we believe are going to be critical to the health of these groups. And so last week, Mike launched this, and uh, he spoke of the first core value, which is necessary for all the other values to happen properly, and that is devote personally, that there would be this sense of personal devotion to our own spiritual health because that will impact everything else. It will impact who you are as a person, but it will impact your community group. I would even say this. The way we feed ourselves spiritually will impact your marriage. It will impact every friendship you have. It will impact your family. If people come to me and they say, Pastor Barry, you know, maybe I'm struggling with my marriage, I'm struggling with my family. First thing is not... You know, well, let's look at what's broken. We go to that point and say, tell me about your relationship with God. Because if we don't have that down, everything else will always be out of order. But if we get this laid properly, this foundation laid properly, that my devotion to Christ is essential for the whole of life, I'm going to tell you it impacts everything else if we can get that right. And so Mike did a great job speaking of that, and I'm gonna build on that this week and talk about our second core value, which is engage intentionally. Engage intentionally. We're talking about building a culture, a culture of community, because mainly in our country, in our society, church is a place you attend. And I'm here to tell you that church is not someplace we attend. It's a people we are. We are the church. And yet with that being said, because of this idea of attendance, we can often find ourselves living in isolation. Nobody knows me. You can walk in here and walk out of here and nobody can know you. You can watch online and the truth is nobody knows what's going on in your life. And that is not what God has designed for us. He has designed us to live in community. With that being said, I, I think about just people that I speak to. And, you know, and I talk about community groups and they say, well, I am so busy. I have so much going on in my life. I can't do Pastor, I hear you. It seems like the right thing. I've just got so much happening. And I hear you. I really do. I know what you're saying. Uh, there are students that are overwhelmed with, <laughs> with college and then working trying to pay for college. They're going to be working a long time to pay for college. And there's just a, a lot of that. And then, you know, as a parent, I remember one time our four kids were on four different basketball teams. I'm just telling you as a parent, do not do that. <laughs> that was a really bad idea. 
It was a poor use of time, and our priorities were wrong. But you know what? You know, you're a parent, and so you, we believed every one of our kids were going to the MBA or the WMBA. They're incredibly gifted. They had my genes. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow, you guys, you, you got it. You know, so you go there, and you're cheering them on. They're only like six, but you, you're dedicating two or three hours to this. And the minivan's running, you're going here and there and there and there. And the reality is we have very little margin in our life. But the one thing I want you to hear is that community for the church is essential to the health of the church. We need to be connected to each other. I'm going to also, before I jump into things scripturally here, I want you to hear this because there's no guilt here. I don't want you to feel like, well, I'm not a part of community groups. I guess he's just beating me down today. Community groups are not the answer for community. They're not. They're one way where community can happen. And we realize that as a church that we do a lot of gathering things. And in gatherings, you can't have community. It's not the setting for community. And so we were intentional as a church, and we came over here and said, we need to create a structure where community can happen. Even in creating the structure, community doesn't always happen. But we wanted to be intentional as a leadership team saying, this is where we need to go. And so it's one way, one place where community can happen. I want to look at what it means to engage intentionally today is our second core value because these groups left on their own will just become a small group of people gathering and we stay comfortable. But how do we become healthy, not comfortable? Well, the first one was devote personally. We've got to have that personal devotion to God. The second one is we need to engage intentionally. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. And here in this passage, it's interesting in, in Romans, I mean, it's, it's very theological, all this doctrine in the first uh, several chapters. And then we get very practical, especially in, in chapter 12. And in verses 9 through 13 and, and following, but I'm, I'm going to stop at 13, but all the way down to 21, he talks about the practice of our Christianity, the practice of our love, and what it means to be in community with others. He says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. The first thing that I want you to see in the first couple of verses there, in verses 9 and 10, where it says, let love be genuine is this, we must be intentional about our commitment to one another. Have you ever had somebody just go, man, I love you, man? I've said that to people all the time. It's, it's kind of a cool thing to do if you haven't done it. You know, you just go, hey, I love you, man. The truth is, I don't know if I really love them. I, I, I care about them, but true love shows itself in practice. 
There has to be a commitment. There has to be a place where that love can be demonstrated. And that's what he's saying in this passage is you, love is not a word. It's an action. It's a practice. And in order to be a Christian committed to community, we're going to have to love one another. And so we're going to have to take this intentional step of commitment to do it. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I think, when I say the word community? I think connection, you know, we're connected uh, together. And I, I think of the Bible and I, the, the word or the picture in the Bible that I think of is the body. And in the first few verses, the verses right before 9 through 13, he talks about the church being a body. And the beautiful part here and also in 1 Corinthians 12 is this beautiful part of the church being a body working together. And yet, sometimes I feel like we're limbs and partial body parts all over the place. We're disconnected. But God says you're, you're to be connected. You're to work together. You weren't just saved to go to heaven. You weren't just saved because of your relationship with God. You were saved to be in community with other believers. Do you, did you know that? You were placed in the body. You can't say, well, I'm just a little toe and I'm out of here. No, listen. The Lord says it even in, in 1 Corinthians 12, even the toe is important for the body to, to function completely. And so we need to work together. But we have to have this idea of being committed to one another. If we don't, it's not going to work. You know, making a commitment to one another, as he says here, don't, don't let, or let love be genuine. Don't let it be ingenuine, because it can be. So if we're going to commit to each other, it's going to look a certain way. And I think about commitments this way. Uh, I think about them in New Year's resolution ways. Uh, how many of you have set a New Year's resolution? You know, you're like, I love New Year's. I love it. I feel like a fresh start. And I have a lot of friends that say it's a waste of time. Don't do all those stupid resolutions. Nobody keeps them. I love them. I break out my piece of paper. I'm writing them all down. I'm feeling good about this. Got three things I'm going to kill this year. Going after it. And uh, man, I, there's something, it just, it, it makes you feel warm inside. You know, you're just feeling so good about this. It's like, wow, this is awesome. The problem is the next day comes and you had made a commitment for health and you're gonna get up at six o'clock every morning and get on the elliptical. And then it's like, what was I thinking, man? You know, it's out of my mind. Well, the reality is the same thing he says here is we can make a commitment to community but the reality is that commitment's gonna be challenged. There are gonna be things that will press into this that will say, well, no, you, you can't do that or you know, you've got too much going on and it will be challenged. And so commitment to community is something that we have to practice, but it also will be challenged, but it's always, always worth it. I love this. Um, passage again because he talks about this 
this fact that Christ made a commitment to us. And now in, in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he talks about our commitment to Christ. Put yourself on the altar. Give yourself completely to him. Surrender to him. But then in verses 9, 13, he's saying, you're a part of a church. Give yourself fully here. Give yourself to the other people in the body. I just wonder about that. I, I think to myself, how, how am I investing in others within the body? Not where am I serving? So everybody can serve. You can be an usher. You can be a Sunday school teacher. They're all important things. But how are we investing into each other? What we see in Scripture is that we were intended to be in community. So we need to make a commitment to do that. So I want to encourage you today, if you haven't, let's take that step and put a stake in the ground and make a commitment to one another. The second thing that we see is this, is that we must be intentional about our conversation with one another, not just intentional with our commitment to one another, but we must be intentional about our conversation with one another. As I think about this, I, I, I just think about myself. I am, I am happy to stay on the surface. You ever have a conversation where you just, you know, it's, it's easy you can talk about the weather, you can talk about the news, you can talk about politics, you can talk about sports. I can live there. So you can talk about all of these things. But the truth is, the depth of community is always related to the depth of conversation. Do you hear me? It's critical. You can be gathered as a group and not actually have community because the conversation is so superficial. The depth of community will be directly proportionate to the depth of conversation. It's uh, interesting. Um, I want to take you to a couple of passages that talk about this because I think sometimes when we talk about conversations is what we say. And one, I think one thing that gets lost in community is it's not what we're always sharing, it's how we're listening. I've been involved with certain situations where somebody will come up to me and they'll just like, just talk to me incessantly. And, uh, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's like drinking from a fire hose. This is okay, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. And then they go, man, it's been great visiting with you. And they walk off. I'm like, what just happened? And the cool part is they've learned to share. That it's really, it's true. That was good. But what they haven't learned is how to listen. And so I want to point you to two passages of Scripture that talk about how to be intentional about our conversation. The first one is found in James chapter 1, verse 19. And this is good. This is probably the most practical book in the Bible. And, and James, when he's writing this, it says this. Know this in verse 19, my beloved brothers. He's talking to believers here. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to hear. It's important that we learn the art in community of conversation, but the first piece is learning about the people around us. I was with somebody this last week. I've known him for five years. And we got in conversation, and I started asking him some questions. I'm like, 
you do that, you're in, you, th this is a skill you have? I didn't know you were involved with this over here. And I started learning things I didn't know for five years. And it's because these individuals aren't gonna walk around going, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is what I, none of that. We have to ask questions to learn about each other. And it's important that we, this is a skill, it's an art that we need to develop. Not just surface questions, like how are the bills? I would say how are the Steelers? But there we go, that's what I'm talking about. I was waiting for something, give me something. Uh, but the reality is we need to we ask different questions is how's your heart? What are you struggling with? What has God been speaking to you about lately? Let me just ask you just for a moment, when was the last time anybody's asked you any of those questions? Or you've asked anybody those questions? How can I pray for you? What are you struggling with? What has God been speaking to you about? You see, when we take a pause and we start to learn that, it deepens our relationship with one another. And that depth of relationship is called community, and we cultivate that. It's important that we see that Jesus' ministry was marked by asking good questions. We see it at the woman at the well. You see it with Zacchaeus. You see it with all these people, even his disciples. He would ask great questions. And he was the model for us as we learn the art of asking good spiritual questions that will help cultivate this understanding of community. The second thing is the practice of sharing. Look at um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, 29. I remember um, as a family, we, we memorized this. I uh, thought it was good that we did our due diligence in, in uh, memorizing this verse because everybody was saying everything, and it wasn't kind. You know what I'm saying? In the family, people can start, you know, snipping at each other. Well, that was happening. So Big Poppy here said, listen, we're all going to uh, memorize Ephesians 4, 29, and it says this, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion Oh, this is good. This is like drinking from a spring. Listen to the last phrase, that it may give grace to those who hear. Our conversations are to be life-giving. Even when we deal with the hard things, they're to be life-giving. The church is not a place where we try to be judgmental with, you know, people or try to shoot other people down for, oh, I can't believe them. I can't believe they did this. No, we need to be wind in their sails and say, listen, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I'm here to help extend a hand, get you back up. Let's walk this road together if necessary. We need life-giving conversations in speech. In our world, it's... Crazy. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of negative, destructive conversations. In the church, it should not be. And I'm not talking about fluffy stuff. Oh, you look good today. Oh, thank you. You look good too. You know, and we're like, what are we doing? No, I'm talking about even if we have to deal with the hard things of life, and we know somebody's going down the wrong road, we need to share some deep truth, share it in love. 
Share it in love. Brother, I love you enough to tell you this. What I see, I'm troubled with. Talk to me about it. What's going on in your life? And then listen. Not there to bury people. We're there to breathe life into people. And we need to be a church where that is a regular rhythm of the body that we're breathing life into one another. Even Galatians 6.1 says, if someone's caught in sin, restore them in a spirit of gentleness, not in a spirit of judgment. The last one is, not only do we need to be intentional about our commitment and intentional about our communication, but we also need to be intentional about our care. Look at the last part of chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. It's pretty powerful. In verse 11, he says this, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And then he goes, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That's investment into another's life. I would dare say this. This is one of the biggest changes in in community groups that we're trying to form, this culture of community, is that we're not defined by meeting. We're defined by caring. Hear me. We're not defined by a meeting because you can come and you meet, oh, group was great. It's not about group being great. I hope it's great. But it needs to go beyond there that I'm praying for the people that are invested there that I'm thinking about my brothers and sisters that are, you know, that shared with me whatever it is they shared, and that sometimes I'm serving them throughout the week because it, there's, it, it's something that should happen because I said I love them. I'm going to invest in them. So we need to be intentional about our care for one another. We see that in John chapter 13... Jesus says this, a new commandment I give you that you love one another even as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, how you love one another. Can I just pause and say this? The greatest apologetic for our faith is not our ability to defend scripture, our ability to somehow talk about creation or all the other thing or it, the greatest apologetic Jesus said of our faith will be the love that we have for one another. It's the greatest apologetic. The people would go, I don't get it. What's different? People love you and you love other people and it, it, there's something unique. Jesus has forever changed me. He has forever changed me. And I'm not perfect, I'm just a broken man that Jesus is healing and has saved. So we need to work hard at caring for one another. Our community for one another cannot be relegated to a moment. It has to be a holistic understanding of life. That as we do life, we love those around us. So let me give you a couple key questions, key takeaways from today. Three questions that I want you to really consider. 
Number one, are you currently in community with other believers where you are building them up and they are building you up? Are you in community with other believers? And this isn't a plug for our community groups. I, I hope that they assist. But if you're not, if you have a sister, you know, a brother or sister in Christ that you can just start investing in and loving and develop and cultivate community, then do it. Begin it, start it. If our community groups can assist you in, in, in actually fulfilling that commitment, then join one. Be a part of that. We're forming groups right now for January. They're not even starting. They've already launched for this fall. But if you want to be a part, gconline.org slash community. Go on. There's an interest form. You can follow up with that. And now I want you to think about this next question. Are you intentional about your conversations with one another? This is something you can do immediately. God has been working on this in my life pretty dramatically because I have deep conversations with a lot of people throughout the day. It's easy for me to try to stay surface otherwise. And so... God's teaching me how to ask good questions and how to listen well, because I speak a lot, what I do. And so God had to really take the plow and go in my life and turn this hardened ground up and teach me how to listen well so that I can love well. And this is something we can do immediately. I would even say this, kids, young people, Teenagers, you can do this even with your friends, with your parents. You can go, Mom, how can I pray for you? Well, number one, you can pray that she gets back up off the ground after she just fell over, after you ask her that. <laughs> but we need to cultivate that in our culture here. As we're building something, let's build it well. Number three, how do you care for other believers throughout the week? Are you praying for them? Are you serving them? Are you loving them? Are you forgiving them? How are we serving each other? How are we loving each other? Because again, the picture isn't of individual believers. It's of a body. You know, the incredible thing is when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, it's not gonna be a bunch of individuals in heaven. It's finally gonna be the fulfillment of the perfect body brought together by Christ. The perfect fulfillment of it. I call earth the practice for that moment. Let's work hard at loving each other as God has loved us. One last thing for you to consider Every great movement started with a belief that there was something worth pursuing. Let us be a movement pursuing community. Let us be that movement. I don't know if there's anything more passionate that I've been about over the course of the 30 years plus of ministry that I've been engaged in is actually see this happen well because it impacts everything else. Outreach is in, 
impacted by the way we love one another. Our, our care for one another is impacted by our in, being intentional about being committed to one another. We gotta do this well. So I wanna encourage us as a church body, let's be that movement. Let's be the movement per, pursuing community. Uh, isn't that good? I think about what we're about to observe communion. And I think about this, Jesus pursued us. He pursued us. And you know what that meant? It meant that he had to embody our flesh. He came in the flesh. He experienced our humanity. He walked through our brokenness. He experienced all the realities of our humanity because he loves us.